Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Again, I'm thankful that you're here today. I know it's not an ideal situation to lose an hour. Uh, I don't know why the government thinks it's okay to take an hour of sleep from us once a year. It doesn't seem right, right? And then when I, I don't know about you, but I was pulling out of my driveway, I had no idea that was out there waiting for me on all the back roads to get here. But I got here safe, and I'm very glad that you got here as well safely. Um, I hope you've had a, a, a good week, and I want you to look on the, the bright side today that later on in the day at 6 or 7 o'clock, there will be a bright side. It will, you will still have some sunlight. It's going to get more and more sunlight as the, as the weeks go on into the summer. So that's, a, we got to look at the positive, right? Keep it a positive spin on things. And speaking of positive, I just, I think we've had some positive Sundays here at the gathering recently, don't you? If you missed some of the services or you're new here, let me just inform you. We've had, we had nine people get baptized last week. We've had people filled with the Holy Spirit. We, we've had healings take place. God is doing something amazing in his church. And we're just continuing to pursue. Can you give God glory and praise? Yeah. For what he's doing in this church. And now, as I said, we're about four weeks away from Resurrection Sunday. And as we approach that day, I want to focus intently on the life of Jesus and his time on earth and his preaching and teaching leading up to his death and resurrection. So... For the rest of this month, we are going to look at what's called the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. It's considered Jesus' declaration of the kingdom. You know, we know the American revolutionaries, they had their declaration of independence. Do you know about Karl Marx? He had his communist manifesto. All different followers and, and movements, they have these, these standards, their guidelines concerning their movements. And the Sermon on the Mount is when Jesus began to declare what his kingdom was all about. The sermon is, is constantly referenced throughout the, the early church. Obviously, we're referencing it here today. We're looking at it as the, the teaching of Jesus. It's a practical guide to what it means to be a disciple in daily living following Jesus. So we're going to specifically, inside the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to be looking at the Beatitudes. The beatitude. Are you familiar with that word, that, that, that terminology? It, it, it's when Jesus would say, blessed are those who fill in the blank. And there's, there's nine fill in the blanks. There are nine different blessings. And those blessings come from having a godly attitude. This is Jesus giving us the attitudes that we should be. The beatitudes. You get it? You with me? These are the character traits, the, the attitudes of people um, who want to receive a blessing from God. Anybody here want a blessing from God? I assume there's no one here that's like, ah, I'm full up, I'm good. I don't need any more of that, right? No, we want more blessings from the Lord. And, uh, and I hope that this is a unique blessing. Because this is not a blessing that we receive in our life here only. It's not a temporary blessing. It is also an eternal blessing. We don't realize how often that, you know, when we bless someone, that blessing may have more than just a one-time earthly impact. We can, we can bless people with an eternal impact. You may never know the difference that you've made in people's lives when you bless them. At the end of last year, we gave to Honduras and Tanzania and the Hope Center and She Dreams Again. Those, those funds, those dollars, you have no idea 
the eternal impact that could make on someone's life. That's why we give. That's why we have to be generous. God's blessed us. We're going to be a blessing to others. All right, I'm already getting sidetracked, so let me, let me get back to the notes here. Jesus is talking about the blessing he has in store for those who have the attitude of Christ. Today we're looking at a three-week series on the Beatitudes called Attitude Adjustment. An attitude adjustment. Did your mother tell you growing up, hey, you need to fix your attitude? All right, I need you to adjust your attitude right here, correct what's happening. Or maybe more recently, it's not your mother, it's your spouse. Say, I don't know what's going on with you today, but you've got to shape up. I need you to focus. I need an attitude adjustment. An adjustment for a blessing. And the blessing, another word for the blessing there is actually to be happy. And that's odd because when we think of happy, we think about the world's definition of happiness. That happiness that is fleeting. And it's contingent. And, and it's being comfortable or entertained in this life. But that's, that's not the context that Jesus talks about. He says, be blessed. The blessing to feel content in your life. To feel joy in your life. To feel peace in your life right now. Have you heard the phrase, too blessed to be stressed? Have you heard that phrase before? I'm too blessed to be stressed. God's, God's blessed me with so much. He's given me peace that no matter what life throws at me, I have the peace of God in my life. I have his blessings. Attitude adjustment. He, and I've been reading, and as I've been looking at the Beatitudes, studying for this series, of course I look at commentaries and, and those types of things, but I want to point out one resource to you. If you want to dig deeper into the Beatitudes, I highly recommend a sermon series by Colin Smith. A pastor from the Chicago area. He did a series on, it's on YouTube. It's from, I think, about 10 years ago. And he goes in depth. And as I was watching those series, just pulling stuff out, I was like, man, I mean, I, God's going to tell me things. He's going to reveal things to me through the Beatitudes. But he is revealing to me through Colin right here incredible uh, essentials of truth. So I encourage you to look at that. Also, he has a delightful Scottish accent, if you want to listen to his sermons as he preaches. So today, we are going to dive into the first three of the Beatitudes. We're going to get into the text. If you've got your Bible with you, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. If you don't, don't worry. We've got it on the screen for you. We're going to read the entire Beatitudes section here, 12 verses, and then we'll look at the first three. Matthew 5, starting in verse 1. It says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed, blessed are you. 
It's funny, I think blessed are you who are persecuted. Anybody feel persecuted that a Sunday has to be the day we lose an hour of sleep to come to church, you know? Can't that be Monday at like 2 p.m. in the middle of the afternoon? That would make way more sense, right? Get through our work day. Anyways, I'll stop going back to daylight savings times. I know that's a lot. There's a lot of blessed right there, nine different ones. And I read through all those because I'm hoping that the repetition will get into our heart. You know, I feel convicted that there, I need to take more time to memorize scripture. I did a great job of that as a kid. There were competitions. There was Awana and JBQ. But let me challenge you. As you're trying to read the Bible more, I hope you are, because you need it every day. That's why it's called daily bread, to memorize these words. This is a great text to begin to memorize. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Begin to get those words into your heart. Amen? You guys with me? Yeah. Okay. Let's, look, let's begin at the, at the beginning of this text again. We're going to break this down, the framework. In the first three of the Beatitudes, today we're, today's message is called the value of dependency. The value of dependency. We're going to see how these first three deal with our dependence on God. Let me start by rereading that first verse. It says, seeing the crowds, talking about Jesus, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Now, this is interesting because Jesus sees the crowd, and then he goes on the mountain. He wasn't getting away from them. He wasn't leaving them. He was actually getting up on the spot where he was going to preach and teach from. It says he sat down. That was actually the posture of, of a rabbi, of someone who was going to come and teach the people. And the disciples huddled around him, and, and he began to preach. And it says that, it says that verse 2, he opened his mouth and taught them. I think that's pointing to Jesus was getting ready to project his voice open his mouth and share so that everyone could hear with passion and power and energy in his voice as he preached. I thought about sitting down to try to illustrate it, but I don't think I would sit down for very long. It wasn't worth it, so I'm going to remain standing as I, as I preach today. But after that, let's read verse 3 again. Then he starts the first beatitude. He says, blessed are the poor in spirits, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The first blessing that Jesus gives is for those who will have the attitude of a poor spirit. So first today, number one, a poor spirit gains kingdom access. There is access to the kingdom for a poor spirit. You are blessed when you are poor in spirit. But what does it mean to be poor in spirit? And, and why in the world would we want to be poor? That's the opposite of the American dream, right? It's, it's get rich or die trying. It is do everything in your power to gain everything at any cost. But Jesus is saying you have to be willing to be poor spiritually. When you're poor, you're reliant. When you're poor, you're desperate. When you're poor, you're dependent. Do you understand what I'm getting at here? When you're spiritually reliant, spiritually dependent, spiritually desperate, you are giving God permission to work in your life in a way that you're not attempting to prove yourself. You're not trying to prove your independence. The Bible says that when we are weak, he is strong. That's not because God becomes strong all of a sudden just because we've chosen to be weak. 
we are able to recognize in our weakness how strong God is. But if we're too busy trying to, to wage war against God and become the God of our life, we can't see his greatness and his strength. It's only when we're weak and we defer to God, we see how strong he is. And you have access to the kingdom through reliance on the, far, on the Father. But it's harder to be aware of your need for access to the kingdom of God when you're focusing on your own kingdom. When you focus on increasing your kingdom. That's why when Jesus would say things like, it's hard for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of heaven, he is not saying this because he's against wealth. It's because where there's an increase in wealth, there's an increase in the temptation to trust in our wealth, to save us and provide for us, and to get into the mentality that we own everything. It's more difficult to keep in mind when we have a lot of wealth that God and God alone is the only one who can save us. God alone is the one who can provide for us, and we don't own anything. We are stewards of what God owns. The less absorbed we are with our kingdom, the more aware we become of his kingdom. And it can happen right now. There is the opportunity, the privilege right now to receive access to God's kingdom. It's not a future kingdom. It's not a future access. It's not you'll have access to the kingdom in a few years. My Bible says... Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Please don't move past that present tense. Don't, don't ignore that. It's important. Many of the others, look at the other Beatitudes. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The meek shall inherit. They shall be satisfied. But the very first attitude says theirs is, is, is the kingdom of heaven. You can have access now to the kingdom of heaven here on earth when you're open to receiving from God. When you're not afraid to ask a good father who already knows what you need before you even ask. When we don't come with an entitlement mentality demanding God. Because I can assure you God owes us nothing. But yet he gives to us freely the gift of salvation. Let me show you a verse from Isaiah 57, 15. It talks about how God is both high and lifted up, and he's with us in the lowly in the spirit right now. He says, for thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. Take heart that when you are contrite and you are low and poor in spirit, the one who is high and lifted up, he's also with you, dwelling with you in the low places. And he just doesn't stay there. He wants to revive you and strengthen you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And friends, this, this attitude, it is paramount to our Christian walk. There's a reason why this is the first one that Jesus lists. There's actually a sequence to the Beatitudes. Notice later in the Beatitudes, it asks a lot more difficult things from us. Like, blessed are you who are persecuted 
You cannot handle persecution if you don't start with being lowly in spirit and recognize your need for a Savior. Amen. It starts out here, blessed are the poor in spirit. Let's look at the second one, verse 4. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. There's a blessing for those who mourn. The Greek indicates this, this is an intense form of mourning. The first and most important aspect of mourning that we should be mourning is, first of all, we need to mourn and grieve over our sins. Do not be casual in your, in your repentance for sin because our sin distances us from God. Our sin hurts God. It grieves him, it hurts ourselves, and our sin hurts others. Don't be cavalier in a prayer of forgiveness to God. If someone has hurt you, and they realize that they've hurt you, and they come to you and say, hey, sorry about that, my bad, hope you're better now, that wouldn't feel very remorseful, right? Probably wouldn't receive that well, but if someone says to you, hey, I'm sorry. Last week, I said something to you, and I did not mean it for it to be taken that way, but I'm so sorry if I offended you. Please forgive me. I've been thinking about this over and over again. Please forgive me for that. I hope that would sound a little bit more genuine, right? An authentic forgiveness. We have to grieve. And 2 Corinthians tells us why. 2 Corinthians 7.10, it says, Godly grief produces a repentance... That leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. There's, there's a worldly grief and, and there's a godly grief. The worldly grief is, I'm sorry I got caught. It's the, I'm sorry that your child says when you know they don't mean it from the tongue. I'm sorry. That didn't feel really like you're sorry. It's a sorry because it's had problems, but it doesn't want to change its tendencies. Godly grief is what produces a repentance that leads to a change into salvation. Godly grief, making a change. We should mourn over our sins. And we actually should also mourn of the sins of the world. Not because we're to blame, but because we are supposed to have the heart of God. And if it pains God to see it, it should pain us to see it as well. To see the children of God abuse one another, commit acts of violence towards each other, it should break our heart. Have you heard that prayer? God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Unfortunately, there's a lot of terrible things that happen in the world, and we can, we can have the tendency to numb ourselves to them. Right? And say, well, that's the world being the world. They got what they had coming to them. They deserve that. No, that's not the heart of God. John 3, 16 said, God so loved the world. Every single person in this world. His desire is for everyone to come to know him. Everyone to go to heaven. But it's our decisions whether we will repent and follow him. Would you grieve the sins of this world? Do you have a heart, a soft heart towards the things that hurt God's heart? So let me tell you, if you need the tissues anytime that you watch The Notebook or Titanic or Rudy or whatever you watch, the Bambi, I don't know, whatever it is, 
and you cry every time, but you can't mourn over the loss of this world, over the sins of this world. I'm not asking you to cry at every moment of the day, but there needs to be a softening of our heart to mourn. When you think about Jesus, you think of the man who's, he was the door, right? He was the shepherd. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's all those things. But look what Isaiah said about him. Isaiah 53.3. It says, he was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. He is all those things. He is the good shepherd. He is the victor. He's all those things. But the Bible says he was also a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief because he had to endure the sins of the world. The greatest grief that could be had, the mourning of our sins and failure. And that word mourning here, it actually refers to the type of mourning when someone passes away. It's a, it's a passionate lament for the loss of loved ones. We're supposed to grieve our sins. We're supposed to grieve this world. But we also should come alongside our friends who are grieving a lost one. We should come in and, and, and be next to them, support them. That, that is the attitude of a Christian. We are encouraged to mourn. Why? Because this is where we receive comfort. Number two, comfort comes from mourning. It's kind of the opposite of thinking. We think when we're comforted, well, why would we need to mourn? We actually need to mourn in order to receive full comfort. Because if you're not mourning over something, you're not actually dealing with it correctly. You can't move past it. We saw earlier in 2 Corinthians, godly grief, it produces repentance. If you want the best comfort for your life, it can be known that your eternity is safe in God. That you've had the godly grief necessary to repent of your sins and accept salvation. There's comfort. There's comfort when you get to surround someone with your love in a difficult time. Don't you feel like you're making a difference? That you're giving the attitude of Christ? There's, there's comfort for those who mourn. In Isaiah 53, 3, remember it said that Jesus was a man of sorrow. Look at verse 11. Verse 11, it said, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. The outcome of suffering is not regret. It's, it's satisfaction and accomplishment that I've done what is difficult, what God has asked me to do. Jesus was a man of sorrow, but he found fulfillment. He found comfort in knowing he was doing what the Father had asked him to do. When you grieve over your sins and you grieve over the sins of others, there is comfort. You are fulfilling the attitude of Christ. Let's go back to Matthew for the last of the Beatitudes that we'll look at today. Matthew 5, 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Meek is such a weird word. It's not a word that we say very often. Oh, you're just, you're just so meek. You know, you never say that to anybody. Meek has a lot of different definitions, but in the ancient Greek definition, meek did not mean someone who was passive. It did not mean someone who just got pushed around and bullied. Meek actually meant strength that was under control. 
It was, a meek person was someone who was deceptively strong, but you didn't know their strength because they didn't flaunt it. They didn't show it off. They had the self-control of their rights and desires because they could humble themselves before God and could control themselves before people. Those are the people Jesus said would have the responsibility of inheriting the earth. Our last point, quickly as we close, the meek inherit great responsibilities. The meek. Other versions say the gentle. And they are not gentle because they have no strength, but because they have no pride and because they possess self-control. It means that you cannot inherit greatness through your own strength. You can't force something to happen. It means those who wait on the Lord will inherit the responsibilities and the opportunities. But that's for those who rely on the Lord to be their strength. Meek. Meek also means being willing to submit. Let me show you the last scripture from James, what it said about meekness. James 1.21 says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. Meekness allows us to receive the word of God. We are willing to submit to God's word. And you know, it's easy to submit to God's word when his will and my will look the same. But what about when what we want is not what God wants? Sometimes we, we think, well, this is, this is what I want, so it must be what God wants. It's not always the case. Meek means to submit to God even when it's not our will. Maybe even especially when it's not our will. Those who are willing to submit to God will inherit great responsibilities. I think about Jesus, and he was, he was the most submissive, most humble. He was the one that of all the people in the world, it would make sense for him to not be humble, right? He had the power of God at his fingertips. He had a connection with God, but he was meek and he was submissive. I can't think of a better example of submission to God than when Jesus prayed in the garden before his arrest, before his trial, his crucifixion, all the terrible things that were going to happen. And he prayed and he said, God, take this cup from me. Would you take this responsibility away from me? Yet, not what I want, God. Your will be done. Submission. Because Jesus was willing to submit to the Father, he inherited the greatest possible responsibility that he could have. The meek shall inherit the earth. Brett, could you join me as we close? These three attitudes, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, do you know what they have in common? They recognize their need for a Savior and that they cannot do anything of their own strength, but they are fully reliant and desperate for the strength of their God to save them. We have to have the mentality, we have to have the attitude 
of dependency on God. We will have access to the kingdom right now. We will have comfort. We will receive the responsibilities when we do these things because we can be trusted and we know who we are putting our trust in. As we close today, I want to give you a moment to check your attitude, to see if it needs an adjustment. If you've been living with this sense of entitlement that you deserve an answer from God right now, God loves you, but he doesn't owe you anything. It's only through his love for you that he extends salvation and he has blessings for you. Don't get me wrong. But it is if we come with this entitlement that is not being poor in spirit. Let me ask you, if you have no issue with how you're living right now in sin, if there are things that grieve your heart and your spirit, it might be time for an attitude adjustment. And if there's not a deep grief and, uh, grief and desire to change and to be more like God and to defer, to be willing to submit, you can be a great parent, a great CEO, and, and be in charge of your household or your, your business, but all of us have to defer. All of us have to submit to the will of God. I don't say this to come down hard on you. It's because I know there's a blessing for you on the other side of our obedience. There's the joy of the Lord on the other side of our obedience, our attitude to be more like Christ. So as we close today, they're going to continue, Brent's going to continue to play, and I'm just going to ask you to bow your head and talk to God for a minute and ask, is there an area in my life that I need to adjust my attitude. I need to change my thoughts. That when something happens in our life, in our world, that there's a crisis, we don't start with judgment. We don't start with anger. We start with mourning alongside a good father. That we'd be willing to submit his will instead of ours. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you just for a few minutes, we're not going to draw this out, just a few minutes to see if God would speak to you something specific about our attitude. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, first of all, that you desire to bless us. You came to save us. Help us to move closer to you, to draw closer to you in these attitudes. Help us. Speak to us today. How we can be poor in spirit. How we can mourn. How we can be humble before you, God. Speak to us. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.